On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for $2.99 subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold-cut combo. Veggie delight. Or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just $2.99 each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Bob Dalton. I think that just the secret sauce in that is just not giving up. Um, and so if it's a good idea and you're allowed to pursue that idea, um, and even if you have the lack of resources, um, I think the key to it was just not giving up. I think that's the kind of the, the only way that it could have worked because um, I'd walk into a shop and I'd, people say some really crazy stuff to me and I had to... Bob, thanks for making time. Hey, thank you for having me. So uh, for people who don't know sackcloth and ashes, let's start off with the elevator pitch. Yeah, so for every blanket that somebody purchases from sackcloth and ashes, we donate a second blanket to your local homeless shelter. And uh, how long ago did you start the company? Started in 2014, um, so about four and a half years ago. Yeah, I know that you guys uh, have had some pretty awesome things happening lately. We've obviously got... uh, Lindsay Hadley is a friend in common here. She's been on the show and a uh, long time, long time friend of ours used to run our charity child rescue. Um, and, uh, pretty excited for, uh, the kind of progress you guys have made. I just saw the, the Kevin Bacon video. Tell us about that. Yeah. So recently we launched a campaign with Kevin Bacon. Uh, we pitched a campaign to him, uh, his charity six degrees.org, uh, right before Christmas this, this in 2018. And uh, they got back to us the next day and they were like, can Bob fly to Kevin's house uh, tomorrow? <laughs> it was like four days before Christmas. So I got on the plane the next day, uh, typed up a script and we uh, shot a video for the campaign. The campaign is from January uh, 15 through 30. So we're at the tail end of it. Um, and uh, for every blanket that somebody purchases by using the code six degrees on our website, sackcloth.com. Uh, we'll donate 20% of the proceeds to uh, sixdegrees.org, and we're going to provide a second blanket to the families that were affected by the California fires. Well, and, and this is something I want to talk about. Um, you know, we're going to get more into the backstory and have you talk about your mom and these kind of things. But um, yeah. when you think about takeaways and principles that uh, if people, you know, somebody who's leading a team that might be listening today, as they're thinking about things they can bring back to their organization and and principles to try to adapt to their industry. Um, you know, the one for one model, uh, people are probably really familiar with Tom shoes and, and the other, you know, Warby Parkers of the world, stuff like this. Um, can you talk about this idea of the local aspect to it? Cause I feel like that's something that really sets you guys apart. Yeah, absolutely. I think Blake did such an incredible job pioneering the one for one model. Um, and I was familiar with it and when it's obviously what inspired, uh, what I do. And so I, I saw Tom's, I think, was about uh, eight years old when the, the, by the time that I actually came up with Sackcloth and Ashes. And I felt like the one-for-one business model was incredible, but I felt like there needed to be an evolution uh, to that business model. 
And I believe the evolution is local. I think we need to focus on our own societies and, and our own backyards. And I think there's a lot of work to do here in the United States. I think uh, making a global difference is incredible. And I think making a local difference is uh, the near future. And I think uh, empowering people to make a difference locally is, is the next step. You know, I think for me, um, it takes the idea of giving a blanket to someone who's homeless from an abstract to something so much more tangible because, uh, you know, like for instance, Salt Lake has a big, has a big homeless uh, issue they've been working with, you know, and, and it's a very visible um, thing society here is dealing with. And, you know, I think about guys that I give a protein bar out the window, <laughs> you know, at the stop sign or something. Right. Uh -huh. And uh, for me, when Lindsay was telling me your story, that that was um, I don't know, that was just kind of a tweak. It was something fresh, uh, but it also made it more of like a human connection because I wasn't thinking about homeless people in the abstract. I was actually thinking about people I'd met or, you know, folks I'd seen driving around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a very local issue, right? As I mean, it's we, people we drive by the folks all all the time on the street, um, and so yeah, I just I, I thought local was going to be the evolution to it. So what we do is we donate based on zip code. So if you live in Austin, Texas, and you buy a blanket, we'll send a blanket to a homeless shelter in Austin, Texas. If you live in Nashville, Tennessee, and you buy a blanket, we'll send a blanket to a shelter in Nashville, Tennessee. We donate to about 500 shelters in the U.S. So if you buy a blanket, well, our, our goal is to donate a second blanket to a shelter down the street from your house so you're making an impact uh, locally. Yeah. Well, thinking about this principle, this kind of making it more human, making it more of a connection, any thoughts for people in other industries? You know, most, most people are in a business that have competitors that do something pretty similar to what they do. You know, we all try to yeah. differentiate, but there's a lot of similarities in competition. Any, yeah. any thoughts for people in other industries of, of uh, ways to think about making it more personal, making it more local, making it more connected in whatever space they're in? Yeah, I would say really somebody at some point, somebody has to go onto the ground level and, and kind of see and understand what's going on. And so uh, one of the most powerful things that I get to be a part of is inter inviting executives of companies um, who don't don't normally get to kind of experience things on a ground level and invite them into an experience at a homeless shelter and give them a tour and pass out blankets to folks on the street. And through educating yourself on a ground level, you're going to be awakened to what you can do and what you can call your team into um, just in a really practical way. You know, you think about that principle and like anybody who's read any of the IDEO books or about, you know, the guys who thought up design thinking, they're constantly talking about human centered design and going and observing. Right. Um, yeah. And like, <laughs> I know one of the stories in their book about uh, these people who had product designers that had created these great turnstiles at an airport in France uh, that were just really aesthetically pleasing. But by going and seeing it, they realized how ineffective, <laughs> ineffectual they were because they were too thin for a regular briefcase a regular suitcase to fit through and every passenger had to stop and lift it over the turnstile these like great designs aesthetically were not functional because they hadn't gone and seen it in person right yeah. um or or like you look at like the toyota production system and all the the lean and continuous improvement folks they're always talking about you know their japanese term of like go to the gemba and see it in person right yeah um so you know like most truths, they've been around for generations. Why do you think it's so tempting for us as leaders to sit in our offices with Excel spreadsheets or go to meetings and get a report? Um, why do you think uh, 
Why do you think so many of us don't pay that price to take time and just go like, you know, Tom Peters calls it managing by wandering around, right? Like going to the location of person. Why do you think there's like that human tendency to just sit in our office and have staff bring information to us as leaders? Yeah, two reasons. One, it's more safe. Um, you know, you don't have to expose yourself to uh, real issues or um, problems in your own community because um, that's hard. That's really hard to actually accept that. I mean, Princeton did a study where when we drive by uh, people on the street, we process them as objects. Um, and so it's difficult to accept that there's actually issues and problems in, in the city. So it's safe. It's it's easy to sit behind your desk. Secondly, uh, because most companies are money focused and ROI driven. Um, and so the idea of taking time to make a difference or to give um, doesn't financially make sense to a lot of people. But yeah. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that it's almost like a false efficiency though, because even if it's like, whether it's part of a company's corporate social responsibility or, or program or not going and seeing customers use your stuff in person and going mm -hmm. and seeing like the production floor, these are things that have such drastic benefits from the people that do it, but, but is something that's not very common. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, as you were saying that I was thinking, <laughs> I liked both your answers because you're right. If you're the boss's, you know, if you're the manager's boss, you don't really have to hear complaints from the ground level staff directly if you don't go hang out with them in person, right? Like there is that, there is that like intellectual safety of like, no, I'm running a good company when you don't have to go hear the complaints yourself, right? Totally. Yeah. And then uh, the the other thing of that efficiency of like, I don't have the time. I don't have the time to go see it. I, you know, I think it's again easy to like, you know blow on my fingernails and wipe them on my shirt if I'm a big deal. Like I know this space, I know this industry, right? And yeah. uh, and instead of being like curious for what's different, I'm looking for information that confirms I already know what I'm doing. And, you know, look at look at all this, you know, 150 unread emails. I don't have time to go see stuff in person. Um, but then things fester and problems get worse inside a company or, you know, people aren't uh, making those leaps that the way we've done things is not the way our customers want them done in the future. You know, you're not, you're not seeing that in person, right? Yeah, it's, it's easy to sit at a table and eat, and it's hard to step on the scale. <laughs> I like that. Um, well, listen, uh, for folks who don't know, can you tell us a little bit more about the origins of, of where you got this idea for the company from? Yeah, absolutely. So in uh, 2014, um, my mother was going through a pretty rough time in her life and she needed a fresh start. And so she called me one day and she said, you know, Bob, I'm, I'm selling everything I have left on Craigslist and I'm going to book a one-way plane ticket from Oregon to Florida and I'm going to start my life over. And uh, within three days, she sold everything she had left and she took a suitcase with two pairs of interview clothes and flew from Oregon to Florida, and she thought her aunt would take her in, and her aunt didn't take her in, so she ended up sleeping on beaches and benches uh, for about two months. And that completely changed my paradigm of how I understand uh, the homeless community, because my mother was the last person that I would think would actually end up on the streets. Uh, she has two college degrees. She's managed restaurants uh, her entire life. She raised my sister and I primarily by herself and a uh, hardest working woman that I know. And so through her story, it taught me that not all people choose to become homeless. Uh, some people just need a second chance. And it inspired me to call my local homeless shelters and ask what they needed. And they all said blankets. 
And that's when I came up with the idea that for every blanket somebody purchases from our company, uh, we'll donate a blanket to your local homeless shelter. And for a while, I sat on the idea because we all know that there's a huge gap between having a great idea and doing it. And uh, so I sat on the idea for a while, shared it with some friends, and they were like, you got to pursue that. And I didn't do anything about it. And so one day, it's about like April of 2014, I'm sitting in my car, my seats lean back all the way, my knees are up on the steering wheel, and my coffee cup is on my knee. And I'm just having like one of those what is the meaning of life moments. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm transitioning, I'm applying for jobs, I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. Because what, and, what uh, had you been doing before? Uh, I was I was working with an organization called Young Life and uh, working with uh, kids in high schools. And um, I was 24 at the time, and, and I was just transitioning out of Young Life and uh, just wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And it was a pretty difficult place. I was applying for jobs. Nobody was getting back to me. And uh, my mom's going through that difficult time. And um, it was a really rough season. It was the first season that I had ever experienced, like, real depression. And, um, and so I'm sitting in my car and, you know, trying to figure out what my next moves are. And I look up and on my coffee cup that's sitting on my knee, uh, on the coffee sleeve, it says, what are you waiting for? And my first thought was what the hell coffee company puts quotes on their sleeves, you know? (laughs) And then, but, and I pulled, I I was like, that's my, that was my moment. That was the moment that really, like, I was convinced that I was going to give everything I had to this vision. And so I pulled my phone out. I took a photo of that coffee cup, and uh, I told myself in that moment that I'm going to blow that photo up on a TED Talk screen one day and tell the story that was about to happen. And uh, started my car, drove straight down to Joanne's Fabric and bought a roll of fabric because that's what you do when you're starting a blanket company. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I drained my savings account, bought a sewing machine, and took it home and and. Uh, walked into my house and my, my wife was like, uh, what are you doing? And I'm like, babe, I'm starting a blank company. <laughs> and, uh, and she thought I was losing my mind. And, uh, I realized very quickly I can't sew and had to outsource that to local sewists. And, um, they started making me blankets. And the only thing I knew about business was the power of perception. If I could get people to become aware of what I was doing it could work. And so I hired the best photographers that I could and got good photography and i hustled up and down uh the oregon coast and walked into shops and you know just explained this is why you need to buy these blankets over the blankets on your shelf because i'm going to drive down to your local homeless shelter and donate the blanket to my trunk and i got into about 20 shops out of 200 and uh june 1st of 2014 sackcloth went live with beautiful photography and 20 shops and it totally looked like i knew what i was doing (laughs) well they are they are great blankets. Uh, Lindsay, Lindsay got us one for Christmas and my wife like <laughs> brings it in the car with her and like, it's like soft and she just brings it around with her. She got the Royal black one, but, um, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, this idea. Um, you know, there, there's so many folks, you know, we, we get the, uh, we get the Ted talks or we get the business literature about disruptive innovation and trying something new, you know, which, by definition, if you're, you know, the, the kind of like Harvard professor Clayton Christensen guy who who coined the term disruptive innovation, like he's saying, go after people who aren't consuming this already. You know, don't just go after the competition, go after the non-consumers. But there's there's not data on that. You know, like it, it really is like placing these small bets and going out and trying stuff and like don't gamble so big that you go broke if you're wrong on one. Um, 
But you think about this idea of getting 180 no's in order to get into 20 shops. Um, it's uh, in some ways it's like it's cliche. It's it's like the uh, the story you always hear, and so it shouldn't scare us that much, right? To go get 180 no's in order to get 20 yeses. But <laughs> but so many of us <laughs> we sit around drinking our coffees and not going home and buying the roll of Joanne fabric for whatever the new thing is we want to do or the experiment we want to do. Um, any, any thoughts for folks who they want to experiment, they want to go out on the limb, you know, they want, they want to push their team into something innovative, but, you know, maybe the organization they're with hasn't always uh, made it easy for them? Any, any tips for going out and doing something that's not easy, like getting 180 no's? Yeah, I mean, the, I, I think that just the secret sauce in that is just not giving up. Um, and so if it's a good idea and you're allowed to pursue that idea, um, and even if you have the lack of resources, um, I think the key to it was just not giving up. I think that's the kind of the, the only way that it could have worked because um, I'd walk into a shop and I'd, people say some really crazy stuff to me and I had to shake it off and go straight into the next one. It really set a precedent to uh, – this story of sackcloth in general of just like, you know, we've probably gotten nine no's for every yes, you know? And, um, and so I'm no longer scared of, of no's. I'm no longer discouraged by no's. I just continue to pursue what I feel passionate about and, and what I feel like I'm supposed to do, um, and continue to pursue that until it works. I love it. Well, I know we're about up with time for, for part one of the episode, but this is actually something I want to talk about on part two. So everybody, uh, please tune back in, catch part two of the episode. We're going to keep asking Bob about uh, the guts to persevere even uh, when it's not easy. Thanks so much. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for two ninety nine subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold cut combo. Veggie delight. Or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just two ninety nine each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied.